Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the May 2015 CTSS monthly quiz. We had 10 terrific cases for you, and hopefully you got them all right, but more importantly, hopefully you learned something from each case. So let's get started. On this first case, you'll note I gave two images, one around the knee and one around the hip, and you can see very extensive what looks like calcifications, and you can see it's kind of linear, like it's in muscles. So I asked you what is the most likely cause in this patient who has diffuse pain. I guess you can think about trauma. Trauma gives you myositis. It can kind of have calcifications, but it kind of is funny looking how lengthy this is, and two sites, two sites of trauma, I guess, kind of make me think about probably that's not the answer. Renal failure, you can get calcifications in soft tissue with renal failure. Uh, you get bony absorption, but if you look here, the bones look really good. The patient doesn't have renal failure, and this is almost too dense for renal failure. Osteosarcoma, you can get very dense calcification. Uh, osteoid material within muscle or bone, but there's no destructive lesion here, and yes, you can have a, a soft tissue or muscle osteosarcoma, but two places unlikely. And this is more likely dermatomyositis. Dermatomyositis, often they're near joint spaces. You get this very long linear type calcifications, multiple locations, and this is a very nice example of dermatomyositis. This patient has acute abdominal pain, and the question is, what's the best answer? When you look at the two images, you can see the inflammatory components in the left lower quadrant. And when you first look at it, you think about diverticulitis, because whenever I see left lower quadrant, I'm thinking about diverticulitis. When I see right lower quadrant, I'm thinking about appendicitis. I guess also the choice of a perforated descending colon is a possibility. But when you look carefully at this case, look at the fat around the bowel. There kind of is a soft tissue both on the axial and coronal that kind of looks like a knuckle. And that's a classic, classic appearance of appendix epiploica. This is a very important diagnosis because the patients are managed conservatively. There's no need for surgery. So a very, very important diagnosis. Appendix epiploica, very common left lower quadrant. Just a very nice example. Sometimes you don't appreciate that knuckle of fat on the axial images, as in this case, and it shows better on the coronal view. Uh, again, you could think about diverticulitis, but you never get this knuckle of fat, so this makes it a home run diagnosis. Patient has a kidney, left lower quadrant. This is a transplant kidney, and I asked you what the least likely diagnosis is. You see on the non-contrast and on the arterial phase imaging, there is a solid mass in the left kidney, and to me, if I had to pick a diagnosis, I would have said lymphoma because patients who are immunosuppressed following transplant, they get lymphoproliferative diseases, and lymphoma to me would have been the best answer. Interestingly, this ended up a primary renal cell carcinoma. That's pretty unusual. Metastasis could have been, that could have been a possibility, but this is not a high-density renal cyst. You can see from the non-contrast to the arterial, there is enhancement present. So the least likely diagnosis is a high-density renal cyst. And as I mentioned, if I was dictating this case, which I did, I thought it was lymphoma. I surely thought it was malignancy. I didn't even mention adenocarcinoma or a renal cell adenocarcinoma. I thought it was lymphoma. This is a relatively straightforward case, a patient abdominal pain you look at the right adrenal gland, there's a hypervascular lesion. And it's true that adrenal carcinomas can have some vascularity, but this is really vascular. 
Adenomas are not that vascular. And I once saw hemangioma of the adrenal, so we'll have to leave that out. And this is a very classic appearance for a pheochromocytoma. It's interesting this patient did not have symptoms of a pheo, and we've now detected more pheos on incidental findings than we have pheochromocytomas when the patient is hypertensive. So it's always something you need to be thinking about. When the adrenal enhances above 110, this was about 160, you got to be thinking pheo. Now in this case, I asked you what the least likely diagnosis is. When you look at the image, there's a nodule in the right upper lung, and it's hot on PET. So classically, this is going to be a primary adenocarcinoma of the lung. And yes, it could be metastasis. And yes, it could be a squamous cell. So any of them will be hot. In fact, this is an interesting case because it was really none of these three. It was coccidiomycosis. It was an infection. So again, infection can simulate a malignancy on CT and on PET-CT. The one thing that surely is not a calcified granuloma. It's not calcified on the CT, and calcified granulomas are benign, and they are not positive on PET-CT. So that would be the least likely diagnosis. This is somewhat of a difficult case. I'm showing you a dilated esophagus with food matter, and then it looks like it's thickened. And there's a transition point, mid-third to, dis mid to distal third of esophagus. Now, I would have guessed in this case personally esophageal cancer. That's a possibility. In fact, in this case, this patient had lung cancer and had radiation. This was radiation esophagitis, a very unusual appearance. And so acute esophagitis can simulate cancer, or radiation esophagitis is really, in a sense, acute esophagitis. The one thing this isn't is achalasia. Achalasia, the thickening and transition point would be at the uh, EG junction. This is a bit too high. Now, of course, with achalasia, you can get esophageal cancer, um, so that can go up higher. But at the end of the day, to me, when all is said and done, the least likely answer is achalasia. This patient was referred to Hopkins for abdominal pain. And the question is, what's the best diagnosis? What you see is a cystic lesion in the right mid to lower quadrant, well-defined water density. It's no enhancement. Carcinoid tumors occur in their region, but they're solid, 70% of calcifications, and they enhance, and they have a desmoplastic reaction. Cystic neuroendocrine tumors, again, are vascular, solid, though it has cystic components. A duplication cyst is indeed a possibility, but we don't see any communication with bowel. Duplication cysts more commonly would be of small bowel rather than colon. But the most likely thing in this case, cystic lesion, well-defined, water density, near structures but not coming from anything specific, would indeed be a mesenteric cyst. This patient had pain in the knee. We were looking for some cause of the pain. And what you see is a popliteal artery aneurysm. You can see it nicely on the axial, and you see it very nicely on the coronal 3D images. Now, angiosarcomas are very vascular masses. I've seen them in vessels, but then there's occlusion. And the section of the popliteal is not uncommon, but I don't see a dissection. And I don't really see atherosclerotic disease because I don't see any plaque. The vessels that we see beyond this aneurysm look pretty good. So the answer here is a popliteal artery aneurysm, just a very nice example. This was a patient, actually, who was referred for a cough, vague symptoms, and you see an anterior metastinal mass. The patient was in their 30s, so I asked you what the least likely diagnosis is. Well, the two most likely to me would be lymphoma and thymoma. You could consider a germ cell tumor, but there's no fat. So 
eccentric, I would have been thinking lymphoma as my first choice. The one thing, this is not a sarcoid. You can get anterior metastinal nodes in sarcoid, but typically paratracheal, hyalur, subcarinal, and they're symmetric. Asymmetric large nodal mass like this, I've never seen an example of sarcoidosis look like this. This is a great case. There's a large mass left up a quadrant. And the truth is, I can't say it wasn't coming off the spleen because it's involving the spleen, but it's homogeneous. It has some enhancement. You see it on the axial and coronal view. There may be a small ulceration in the coronal view. So what is it? Well, I think you have two choices. One is it coming from the stomach and involves the spleen, or spleen involving the stomach. Statistically, most commonly, it's going to be coming off the stomach. It's not lymphoma, though lymphoma can be large bulky lesions, but it's so exophytic that would be unusual. Carcinoid, they're usually vascular. They usually don't invade the spleen in the same fashion. Angiosarcoma are typically vascular. This is relatively hypovascular. But what this is is a classic example of a gastrointestinal stroma tumor or a GIST tumor. GIST tumors, the number one location is the stomach, 70%. They're typically exophytic. They can ulcerate. Sometimes they're so large they invade adjacent structures, like in this case. And sometimes it's really hard to tell exactly where they come from. So the best answer here is a GIST tumor. And it's one of the most common findings we will see. Remember, just tumors, the majority are exophytic. Some are intraluminal, but this is a beautiful exophytic example. So I've showed you 10 cases. Again, hopefully you got them right, but most importantly, hopefully you learned something. And with that, I'll see you back here in the quiz section next month. Have a great time. Speak to you later. Bye.